You know, the Bible is a book is, that's a, is a thought-provoking book, and it often uses questions to provoke those thoughts, and sometimes the questions are very short. For example, in James chapter 4, verse 14, the question is, what is your life? And James is teaching, when he asks that question, how short life is. He says later on, it's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. In John chapter 18, verse 38, uh, God uses Pilate to ask the question, what is truth? What is truth? He had truth standing right in front of him, but he didn't recognize it. Jesus said later, I am the way, the truth. And then the question I want us to look at this morning, what is man that thou art mindful of him? This question is actually found four times in the Bible, three times in the book of Psalms, once in the book of Hebrews, different words, but the same question. Uh, David, the psalmist, was gazing into heaven. He saw the moon and the stars, and he says, God, when I consider that you've made all of this, everything that I can see as I look around, what's man? Why are we important to you? What, What do you think about us? And so I speak on the subject, what is man? Now, I have an illustrated message this morning. I need a man to help me. I thought about who I could ask to help me. And then I went to the hospital on a Friday night to visit Brother Harry Beach. Harry Beach has cancer and his immune system is really down. So when you go see Harry, you have to wear a mask like this. And Harry was telling me, he said, you know, Pastor, one of the men from the church came to see me, and he had a mask on like that, and he asked me the question, hey, when the preacher comes and sees you, does he wear that mask? And Harry said, yeah, the preacher has to put on a mask like that. And this man from our church said, well, next time the preacher comes, tell him when he puts on that mask, put it on like this, because he'll look a lot better. That helped me make up my mind who I was going to use this morning as my illustration. (laughs) Brother Clyde, would you come back and sit right here in this chair? (laughs) I wasn't going to pick on you this morning, but after you said something like that about your pastor, how how could I do anything else? Yeah, sit right there. (laughs) So what is man? I have a three-part answer to that question this morning that David, the psalmist, asked, and I'd like us to consider Brother Clyde as we answer that question, as we answer the question from the Bible. And so again, I will tell you, first of all, that the Bible teaches us that man is a miraculous creature of God. You say, well, preacher, everybody believes that. And I would tell you this morning, no, they don't. There's more that don't believe it than those who do. I want you to look at Brother Clyde this morning. Just look at him. (laughs) Stare at him. (laughs) He is a miraculous creature of God. In the book of Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, And God said, Let us make man... Not something lower than man, so he can involve into a man. But let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now the us in that verse, when it says, let us, let us make man in our image, was the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so he, God, God is saying, we're going to make man in our image. 
And these morons that say man evolved from an ape need to go to hell because that's where the lie comes from. Well, look. Look at Brother Clyde. Is there any way that you think he evolved from an ape? Don't answer that. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And so a triune God, a three-part God, made man a three-part man. God, the, the, the body, the soul, and the spirit. And we'll talk about the soul in just a minute. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, verse 4, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning, again, didn't make them a lower being so that they could evolve, but he that made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. The Christian institution of marriage is based on the fact that God created man and God created woman. And God made each one of us. God made Brother Clyde. He is a marvelous creation of God. Now, amen. You can say amen even though you're sitting up here, Brother Clyde. Now, you go back and you read Darwin's book, the origin of the species where this perverted idea of evolution is, was introduced to the world. And in that book, over 800 times, the author, Darwin, says, I suppose, or he says, we may well suppose. I don't know about you, I'd rather base my life on a book that says, this is how it happened, than on a book that uses 800 times, says, we suppose that it happens like this. I agree with the monkey. Not this one, but the... <laughs> but the monkey that said, said this. Three monkeys sat in a coconut tree, discussing things as they said it to be. Said one to the other, now listen, you two. There is a certain rumor that can't be true. That men descended from our noble race. The very idea. It's a dire disgrace. No monkey ever deserted his wife, starved his baby, or ruined his life. You have never known a mother monk to leave her babies with others to bunk, or pass them on from one to another till they hardly know who is their mother. And another thing you will never see, that a, that's a monkey build a fence around a tree, and let the coconuts go to waste, forbidding the other monkeys to taste." Why, if I put a fence around this tree, starvation would force you to steal from me. Here's another thing a monk won't do. Go out at night and get on a stew. Or use a gun, a club, or a knife to take some other monkey's life. Yes, man descended the ornery cuss, but brother, he didn't descend from us. <laughs> what is man? Man is a marvelous creature of God. Number two, man is an ever-living soul. Look at Brother Clyde again this morning. Look at him. What do you see? What do you see? You say, well, I see Brother Clyde. No, you don't. You don't see Brother Clyde. 
you see his shell, the nuts inside. (laughs) Who says you can't have fun in church? Does Clyde have a soul? No. Clyde is a soul. We read that verse from Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Will Clyde ever die? No. He was made in the image of God. God never dies. Now this body, the shell that we see and we think about when we think about Brother Clyde, one day this body the old, as it gets older, it's already old, but as it gets older, uh, uh, it, it, will, it will cease to exist. But the, the, the person that we know as Brother Clyde Vaughn will never die. Because you see, he, who he is, what he is, created by God, is a never dying soul that will live forever and ever and ever. Just like all of us, have, uh, uh, we're the same way. We, we look at each other and all we do is see the shell. The nuts are all on the inside and we, and we see the shell. But there's the, the, the thing that is us, our soul, will live for eternity. That's why the greatest mistake that a person can make is go through the brief life that we have on this earth and turn God, down God. Ignore God. And leave this world and walk into a devil's hell and suffer forever. In the Bible, in the book of First Thessalonians, it says this. I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is man? He's a marvelous creature of God. He's also a, a never-dying and ever-living soul. Now think about that. Think about that. If we're lucky, this body that we have will live 70, 80, 90, 100 years. And it'll die. It'll return to the dust from which it was made. But our soul will live for eternity. And isn't it strange that we as people worry more about our body than we, that, that's going to die after 70 or 80 or 100 years and take so little thought about our soul. We groom it. We take care of it. We carry insurance on it. We feed it. We rest it. Listen, if a person lives 70 years, they spend 24 years sleeping. If you live 70 years, you're going to spend 24 years sleeping. If you had lived 70 years and you go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, you spend six months worshiping God. 24 years sleeping, six months worshiping God. A few years ago, scientists evaluated all the chemicals that make up the human body. Back then, they said the human body, if you take the chemical content and you value it at today's prices, is worth $2.98. Now, that was a while ago. So we're figuring inflation today, the chemicals that make up the human body, probably six bucks. But what's the value of a soul? Jesus said it was more valuable than the whole world. 
Jesus said, if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul, you've made a bad bargain. You've traded something that's way more valuable, your soul, than what you traded for the fortunes of the world. That's why Jesus did so much to redeem our souls. That's why Jesus did so much to save our souls. That's why God did so much to provide us salvation. He sent his son to, born as a baby, as Debbie sang about. Born with the express purpose of going to the cross. Born with the express purpose of taking all our sin upon himself. Born with the express purpose to die and pay the penalty that we owe for our sin. So that you and I and our souls could go and live with him forever in heaven. Now, I, look, I, I agree that we ought to take care of our bodies. I agree that you know, we, ought, we ought to take care of them. We ought to get the proper amount of rest. But as much as I agree with that a thousand times more, I would beg you this morning, be concerned about your soul. Be concerned about that part of you that's never going to die, that's going to go somewhere and live forever. And there's only one of, there's only, you're only going to go one of two places. It's not a multiple choice question. You're either going to go to heaven and live with God in the place that Jesus is preparing now, or you're going to go to hell, the place that God made for Satan and his demons, and you're going to live there apart from God forever. There is no other choice. And the 70 or 80 or 100 years that we spend on this earth is like a drop of water compared to all the oceans of the world. It's just a speck of time compared to all eternity. I read a story about a mother lived in Europe. She had, she had a little baby, and she was trying to get home. She was crossing a mountain, had to get home. On, her home was on the other side of the mountain. As she was on the top of the mountain, a snowstorm snow, st- snow came. And when she didn't get home, at the expected time, they sent a search party out. They went up to the top of the mountain and found, found her. She was frozen stiff. She was frozen. She was dead. She was frozen. But she didn't have a speck of clothing on. They lifted up her body, and underneath her body was a little baby. Every speck of clothing the mother had was wrapped around that little baby, and then she laid her body on top of that little baby to keep that little baby warm. The baby was alive, but the mother gave her life to save her baby. I want to tell you something this morning. The Lord Jesus Christ gave his life on Calvary's cross to save us. He thought so much about your soul, your soul, my soul, that he went to the cross and the perfect sinless Son of God took all of my sin and all of your sin, my sin not in part, but in whole, and he took it upon himself and he paid the price for that sin so that we had the opportunity to be made right with God. He loves you this morning. He made you. He made you an ever-living soul. Number three, what is man? Number three, man is a free moral agent of choice. Of choice. You see, trees don't get to decide where they're planted. Animals never choose where they get to live. But man gets to make up his own mind. Brother Clyde decided where he was going to live. Now, you would think somebody from the South had to be nuts to live in a place like Michigan, but he, right. he, he decided that. <laughs> he decided who he was going to marry. 
course, Frida had something to do with it, but a lot. we won't go into that this morning because we're not on her, we're on him. Right. <laughs> he, get to, he, he got to decide what he was going to do for his life's occupation. He got to decide which church that he comes to. He gets to decide who's going to be his pastor, and even though I kid him unmercifully. Amen. I'm glad he's... The, <laughs> I'm glad he's decided to let me, and I count it a privilege to be his pastor. He, gets, he got to decide all that. He got to decide all that. But you know the most important decision that this marvelous creature of God that has an ever-living soul, you know the most important decision that he ever made? It's the day he decided to ask Jesus to be a Savior. Amen. The day that he acknowledged that he was a sinner. The day he understood there was a penalty for that sin. And that penalty was to be separated from God, from his creator, the one that made him. The penalty was to be separated from him forever. And then somebody told him about Jesus, about the Son of God, who loved him so much that he went to a cross and took all of Brother Clyde's sin and bore it to Calvary's tree. Amen. And paid the price of his sin. And one day, this dear man asked Jesus to save him. Free moral agent of choice made the choice to ask Christ to be a savior. Thank you, Brother Clyde. You go back. Thank you. (laughs) Now look. What he did for Brother Clyde, what God did for Brother Clyde, he did for each of us. You are a marvelous creature of God. You have a soul that will never die. And you get to make a choice. You get to make the choice. Am I going to receive and accept what Christ did for me on Calvary? Or am I going to reject it? So, preacher... I would never reject what Jesus did for me. Well, listen, let me tell you, if you don't accept it, you by default reject it. If you walk out of this place this morning unsaved, lost, still on your way to hell, what you've done is reject the Savior. What you've done is reject the blood that he shed for you. What you've done is reject the gift that he purchased for you. You say, oh, I'd never do that. Well, that's what you're going to do. If you leave this place lost, unsaved, without Christ. It's your choice. You know, I I wish God would have made it different. I wish God would have said, well, if you're a preacher, you can get saved for other people. If they're stubborn and they reject God, you can act in their place and bring them to the Savior by making the decision yourself. I wish God would have set, set it up that way, but he didn't. I can't decide for you. Your parents can't decide for you. Your grandparents can't decide for you. Your friends can't decide for you. You have to decide for yourself. What am I going to do with Christ? What am I going to do with him? What am I going to do with the one that died in my place? You say, preacher, I didn't come here this morning to make a choice. doesn't matter. You have to make a choice. You either receive him or you reject him. Your choice. I encourage you, I beg you this morning, I plead with you, receive Christ. If you're here and you're not saved, you don't know him as your Savior, say yes to him this morning. You're a sinner. 
The wages of sin is death, separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's a gift that he wants to give you, a gift he will give you if you'll take it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the wonderful truth that's in it. Thank you for making us this way. Thank you for giving us a soul that will never die. And thank you for giving us a choice and for giving us Christ. And Father, I know that most, the large majority of people in this room this morning have made that choice. They've received Christ. I pray for those that are here that haven't. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to them, that you would show them their sin, you would show them the penalty of that sin, you would show them the price that Jesus paid for them. And right now, in the quietness of this moment, as the Holy Spirit speaks to them, they would receive that gift. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Father, I pray you'd help them do that this morning. I pray for the Christians that are here. Help us rejoice in what we have in Jesus Christ. Help us to make some new vows this morning to live for him, to be, a, to be his ambassador, to be a witness for our Savior. Just bless the invitation. Speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. Help us to be obedient. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.